solid and i'll say that i feel like saints row one two and three it made it fun and then they started thinking that what fun meant was being over the top and they focused on that instead of just making it fun yeah and it kind of lost the narrative there yeah was it saint row four where you could become the president uh you You already were the president you already were Mm -hmm. the president it's very Mm -hmm. you basically matrix it okay Yes, because... You, you go into the alien matrix. You're the president for, like, a week, and then aliens invade. And then you have to get into their virtual reality, where then they can do all sorts of wild, crazy superpowers with or your Or Gatorade character. is what plants crave. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brondo, I believe, is what it plants was, crave. It was. Brondo. You're right. Brondo. You're right. <laughs> and with that, hello, and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. I'm your host, John Parrott, and with me today is... Jamie. Ryan's back. Ryan's back. Ryan's tell a back, friend. Back again. Ryan's back. Tell a friend. You jumped it. I jumped ahead of you. Ryan's back. Ryan's back. Ryan's back. Ryan's okay, so back. I just have to ask right now, is there any sort of post-apocalyptic childhood cartoon that you guys are going to ambush me with this episode <laughs> just to prepare myself? Post-apocalyptic childhood cartoon? You mean like visionaries? Oh, don't don't let's not even start that road again. <laughs> I was thinking more like Duckborg or whatever that was that you guys last oh, time the three of us were Duckborg in a room last that time you when Ryan was on. That you uh, now that's going to be stuck in my head again. Life is like a... you're welcome. Uh, no, no cartoons. Okay. Did well. You're the one who told me about D and D, the streaming channel. I think we talked about that last time. We where did? it's just running the D and D cartoon nonstop. Mm-hmm. So have you found that yet? No. Okay. No, I haven't even looked. After you told me about it, I didn't even look. That's probably wise because yeah. that would stop all good work that you would do. Oh, by the yeah. way, Ryan, in case you didn't know, um, there's a service called Freevee by Amazon where Ooh. you can subscribe to Amazon to watch TV with advertisements. And you might say, oh, you mean like stream shows and they just have ads. No, it's programmed television. So, so like, you're saying that... Once again, we've come full circle. Full yes. circle. So Matthew Lord's uh, Purple Worm Kill, Kill, Kill show only plays at like 7 p.m. on Thursdays. So you have to tune in at 7 p.m. on Thursday to watch that show. I have to show. tune in at 7 p.m. on a Thursday, which means I can't watch Critical Role. Yeah. yeah. But at least Critical Role you can yes. watch <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, you can watch it afterwards, right? You can, you yeah. can always stream it and catch up on it later. That's basically the only way I do it. Yeah, this one sounds like no. That's you what just I'm seeing. Have to watch it at seven. And if if someone else, they do reruns. Yeah, if if some of their our loyal audience wants to come onto the the Discord and tell me that I'm wrong, I would love to hear that. Um, but I was actually thinking that it might be interesting because I did happen to see that Black Friday was not even was not only about selling things from Red Raccoon Games, but also buying a few things. We got some really nice TV boxes in the downstairs area, Jamie. Yeah. I might have bought some stuff. Yeah. So I think... I might have bought TVs that I forgot that I bought. And then I had to figure out what to do with the TVs afterwards. Those are... 
Those are just two that you can see right now. The other one got a good home. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Ryan's like, what's this TV for then? I'm like, I forgot I bought that one. So Ryan bought that one from me. But I, it was like $65, 65-inch TV, and I think I got it for $288. Beautiful. Yeah, one of those crazy, like, we're going to lose money deals. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, if you're going to lose money, I will take advantage of you losing money. So, But no, the two TVs that you're referencing over there, those are 75-inch Samsung TVs. Those are going to go on the wall over um, in the play area because if you, I don't know if I told you this or not, I had them run electrical and um, cabling conduits under the floor to set up what could be a podium area over there. Because in the old building, we had many times where people would rent out our basement in order to have meetings for their business. They wanted to have off-site team building or whatever it is. This gives us the capability to run the HDMI underneath so they can plug in their laptop, whatever it is, and then show it on the two TVs that'll be on the wall. Because invariably, when you go to those presentations, the person giving the presentation is standing in front of the screen. Mm -hmm. This, I had it set up so that the two TVs will be on either side of the person who's standing in the middle, and then they could rent the thing, rent the room to do that way. Because we just set it up for the used board game auction, and figured out that we could easily set up chairs for 65 people. Beautiful. That's a pretty decent meeting for most businesses. It's not going to work for every business, right? But mm-hmm. most businesses. And, and, and so um, we've done things before, too, where we've had people come in and we've used done game training with them, basically. Team building exercises. And then sat and talked with them about what did they learn. I think we referenced on the podcast hmm, several months ago now where we had the teachers come in and we handed them a box without telling them the rules just mm-hmm. to see could they read the rules themselves and explain the game. And all three groups were playing the games completely wrong. <laughs> were they wrong in different ways? Yes, 100%. That, that's fantastic. Yeah, like the one group of teachers that was playing Carcassonne, when we just got a replacement box of Carcassonne and somebody had punched out all the pieces but then left the punch boards in the box, the empty punch boards, the teachers were playing it, trying to put the pieces back into the punches, the punch boards. Yeah. Innovative. And yeah. Because they were just like, oh, we're supposed to play these tiles, but here's these things in the box. We must be supposed to use these things in the box. And it seems silly, but if, you, if you're not used to playing board games in our industry, these are the things that we all know. But if the last board game that you played was, you know, Monopoly... Here's mm. some money and here's some pieces. There's the dog and the thimble. You know, yeah. how do you know? If you never played a tile laying game, if you never played a game that you had to punch stuff out because Monopoly, Clue, and all those things already come pre-bundled with the little plastic shrinkies around them and everything. Pretty common for a Euro games where we got to punch stuff out. Yep. I don't know. It's just it's, it's interesting. So, so those TVs are the start of setting up the room for being available for corporate rentals. And I'm just saying... If they happen to be playing the freebie station of Dungeons and Dragons while not in use for podium purposes, I don't no, think they but... can because of the advertisements on there. Because I'm not going back to TV, but I have to watch ads. To be... I'm not doing it. I'm not paying for a subscription to then have to watch ads. You mean you don't want to pay eighty dollars a month to watch TV with ads and not be able to watch it on demand? No. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're going backwards. Yeah, we are. Yeah. 
The whole point is that it's the same freaking thing, right? They want the money in the least amount of work possible. And everybody's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them's going to do it. You know, Disney's already talking about offering. They're going to jack up the price on the, the subscription without ads, and then they're going to offer a lower price one with ads. Hulu's always done it. Yep. Hulu with ads is like two bucks a month, and Hulu without ads is eight. Um, CBS is talking about doing it. CBS shows you ads um, only for other CBS shows, and they're always like fifteen seconds, so they don't bug me that bad. Um, but it's when you see the same ones over and over and over again. You're talking yes. about Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll is what you're talking about. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, Amazon does it too, though. On the free V, there's only like four ads, and it's the same four ads at every break. And the thing I hate about Amazon, because Kelly was watching something the other day, the way that they do it, there's no like good – nobody sat and said, this would be a good place to put a break. Sometimes the breaks are in the middle of a word. Mm-hmm. So it just happens. 30 minutes in, we're going to have a break no matter what is happening on the screen. could be in the middle of a fight scene or in the middle of a love scene or in the middle of a nice monologue where we're getting filled in. And what's going on? And the breaks just happen. Jack's just about to be kicked off the small little raft that Kate's on. And then all of a sudden, boom, advertisement. Well, you see, if they thought about it, that would involve paying someone to Ooh, think about it. Yeah. That's what AI will do. AI will fix that. I'm sure. AI will go through and find the right times for breaks. Yeah. That'd be like somebody in the middle of their turn while you're playing a board game just stopping and walking away from the table. As opposed to, you know, I'm going to have to take a bio break. I'm going to wait till my turn's over. Then I'm going to go to the bathroom. It's like I'm going to take part of my turn and then get up and leave so nobody else at the table can do anything else. Way to really bring it right back to board games, Jamie. I appreciate saying, that I transition. That was like nice. in the middle of a turn. So other than... Uh, Technifying our basement area, how else has the store been going on this week? Well, since last time we had a podcast, we had a Black Friday. Yes, and a Small Business Saturday. And a Small Business Saturday and a something-something Sunday. They used to have a name for Sunday, right? For a while they were calling it Super Sunday, but then they decided Super Sunday was a Super Bowl. So it doesn't have a name anymore. So I just like to refer to it as something-something Sunday. I feel like that's fair. Yeah, it's a trend. We should should make that a brand. Yep. Yes, sure. Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, but something, something Sunday. I have heard people call it Couch Sunday, where you just sit on the couch because of the, what you did the last three days. And just uh, cry about how much money you just spent. Yeah. Or about dealing with your family on Thanksgiving. Oh, fair enough. There. That, that's yeah. True. Yeah. No, it was good. Um, so Friday, uh, originally I was supposed to be out of town. Um, and it was going to be Alexis, Ryan, Kat, and Ariel. And I was supposed to be gone. Thankfully, he was not gone. Um, yeah. Uh, plans changed, and Kelly had to be back to work at her store, so we had to be back in town. And we were still setting up and putting, slapping, you know, uh, for sale signs and everything up. Kat did an amazing job cutting and making all these uh, fancy for sale signs and everything that I would have probably just had a rectangle piece of paper, and she had starbursts and stuff going on with various things and decorations around the edges and everything of them. And... Um, uh, we're still putting them on, and then like people kept coming in because Zeta Coffee opens at 7 a.m. every Friday, and I had put out at least 15 times in various places. Red Raccoon is open normal hours on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Red Raccoon normal hours, normal hours. It's on Google, it's on Facebook, it was on uh, Twitter. I'm not calling it that other name. It was on <laughs> everywhere that I had Stand easy your access to. Um, it was yep, out there. Sounds like a bad and yet people kept coming in like, oh, I can't shop for games yet. I'm more like, 
uh, give us a little bit. We're still working on this stuff here. So we're putting up these signs, and I kept telling people, I'm like, Bloomington Spice Works open, Painted Wraith is open, all these other places are open. Go shop there, come back here at noon. About 11.15, people stopped leaving. And then the little um, roped-off area in front of Zeta just kept getting more and more crowded. Till, like, 10 minutes till, you couldn't move. And it was, the people were shoulder-to-shoulder sitting there. The, the, the few people that got chairs were not moving at all because they didn't want to lose their chair. Yep. And everybody else was just, like, hovering right next to them, standing there. And it just kept getting more and more crowded. Luckily, the weather was pretty nice. It was a little chilly, but it wasn't, you know, raining or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, so at uh, noon, we opened up the stanchions, and all those people immediately come pouring in. And I, I hadn't realized how many of them were crammed into that little section waiting for us and just staring at us as we're doing everything in the store. You know, I was, like, watching what we're doing. And, um, and then people started pouring in from outside. So five minutes after noon, the store is pretty packed. It's like a 1980s Walmart Black Friday I right there. I lost my coworkers in the crowd. What? <laughs> <laughs> my coworkers are loud. <laughs> yeah. And then um, about 15 minutes later, Chance and Alexis were downstairs working on doing receiving. And I'm like, Chance, Alexis, we really need your help up here. And I heard them kind of grumbling a little under their breath. And then they came upstairs and they went, oh. <laughs> So Friday was good. Friday was crazy. Um, we set a record for the busiest hour of sales ever. Woo! Um, and then Friday wasn't the busiest day ever because the busiest day ever for the store is still belongs to the used board game auction that we did last month. Mm. So that was the busiest day ever in terms of sales. But Friday had the busiest one hour to the point where that one hour we did more sales in that hour than we did the first five Black Fridays that I own the store. Or, or Black Fridays or Small Business Saturdays that I own the store. So, yeah, it was it was nuts. And, and luckily, I got the third computer working. So we have a third computer for a third register because all three of us just as fast as we could possibly help people while... Everybody else was out walking in the floor trying to keep things going, and Ryan was trying to restock the shelves as fast as possible. So, go Ryan. A lot of stairs that day. Ooh. Uh, I looked at, did you look at, you have, I have Android Fit turned on my phone all the time. Did you look at yours? Uh, For Black Friday, I don't remember what it was, but I know I definitely hit my goal. (laughs) At 17,000. And I don't even know how many flights of stairs I did that day. I'm not even sure. Because sometimes it's still faster to use the stairs than it is to take the elevator. You put, we load a whole cart full of stuff for the elevator at one time, but sometimes you just need one game. Yeah. Do you have one of these? And it's faster to run the stairs than it is to go around to use the elevator and come back up. It would have been Friday the 24th. Yeah. I did almost 8,000 steps, and I climbed the stairs 10 times. Does it keep track of stairs? Uh-huh. Oh, I should look at that. Into it. Android so user. it was a good it was a good weekend. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Sunday was a little busier than a normal Sunday, but it was, Sunday wasn't crazy. But Friday, Saturday, um, were fun, crazy. I went home and curled up in a ball. And then our friends at Bloomington Spice Works. I usually go over there to see how they're doing. I took them food because they were just the two of those guys. Kelly brought oh. food for all of us, so I brought Don and Ruben some food. And on Saturday, they had their busiest one hour ever that beat, like, the first month they were open. So, wow. 
Yeah. So we heard a lot of that. So thank you to everybody who shopped local, right? Because it makes a difference. You know, I'm friends with so many small business owners all over central Illinois. It really does make a difference to spend your money local. You know, we're the people that support the volleyball teams and the grade school carnivals and the zoos and the whatever the other 95 million things that we do, healthcare clinic and um, Relay for Life and all that sort of stuff. And that you don't see that from the corporate places. This is small businesses taking care of small people. Except for I'm not really small people. I mean, you're a very large person running a small business. Yeah, well, if you, you told me you lost Jamie in the crowd, that's when I would be worried. I couldn't see anybody. Like, I was short enough that I couldn't see Jamie. Ryan was fenced oh. in where she couldn't see past the people around her. I was I'm a so lost sorry? kid at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tie a balloon to your back next time. Yep. <laughs> that's awesome. So, obviously, after such a hectic weekend, you guys must have really gotten, like, settled in, relaxed, and played some board games, right? Have you gotten anything on your tables lately? Ryan, I know that you've played some games, because actually you came over to my house the other That's night. That's a fair point. I yes. did I did play, um, uh, what? Downforce. Downforce. I introduced her Ooh, to I Downforce. Like Downforce. Yeah. Downforce is good. Downforce it, was fun. It's now Formula Day, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. Downforce is betting on who's going to win. Mm-hmm. doesn't actually matter if you win. It's did you bet on who was going to win. Well, the problem was that Colin not only won, he bet on himself every single time. The right car. He had a perfect game. He lost. <laughs> I will tell you, this is one of the nice things about playing people that actually really know board games is that I had to get up and uh, another Ariel actually showed up late. So I was showing her around the house. I was like, you guys can just kind of play some of my turns. And when I got back, the game was done, is finished. They'd already done all the scoring and put everything away, and it was back in the box. And I was like, oh, well, this is interesting and nice. Thank you. <laughs> I, That's hilarious. I don't like to leave a mess at anybody's house. Um, but, but, yeah, it was basically just like, well, I don't, I don't think the math works in any sort of way that uh, <laughs> any of us win. Fair enough. The black I mean, car won. Always bet on black. We did also play some One Night Ultimate Werewolf, which yes. is one of my favorites. Uh, that was fun. Yeah. I'm I'm very good at deducing. You're very good at distracting. Yes. You, you completely <laughs> suckered me one round. It's really funny, too, because, like, everybody told the truth except for me, and mm-hmm. you still got suckered. It's true. <laughs> she, it, it was mm, <laughs> just amazing the way that they played that game to perfection. I was so sure they were on my side. I was so sure that we were in this together and it had to have been Ariel or, or Ryan's brother. And sure enough. It's always not, Ariel. It's it, Ariel it, plays the games for just the chaos factor. That's exactly what she did because she was the seer, I think, one round and refused to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Until after I think we were done. Yep. So. Yeah. I don't. I haven't played a single board game since the last podcast. Oh, well, it's just been busy. We we need to fix that tonight. 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 Huzzah! 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 No, I um with the traveling and stuff, everything that I've done, I didn't actually get a chance to play any. I think I played a couple of rounds of Dominion online. Is the only thing I did. Well, how did your D and D game go? Um. 
No, we haven't played D and D. Oh no, I did. I got to play D and D. Yeah. I didn't. I wasn't running D and D. I guess I, I. That's a game that counts, isn't it? It does. Yeah. Okay. In this community, uh, absolutely. It went good. It went good. Um, yeah, I'm playing in a campaign with a bunch of people. There's two of us that have played before, and the other four people had never played D and D. So. Pat and I took the, we let everybody else pick what they were going to do. Then we just made characters to round the party out. So Pat's playing the paladin. So he's got some healing. He's the only healer. So he's playing the paladin. He's the only healer. And I'm just playing just the fighter. I would like to play the fighter character. There's an old, God, this is, I wish I could find this article. It was from Dragon Magazine. And I was still in high school. So Ryan had not been born yet. (laughs) Um, Why do you keep on wanting to do math on this podcast? I don't think you've been born yet at that point. Let's avoid this. I'm just saying. uh, It was like, it was this article about becoming a new player, learning to play Dungeons and Dragons. And the the author said, repeat after me, I would like to play the fighter character. And then like that guy next to you is going to go, oh, well, you can like dual class and then you can do fighter thief or a fighter mission. Then you repeat I would like to play the fighter <laughs> character. Oh, well, you know, you could do this, 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 this. And you, you repeat, I would like to play the fighter character. So I'm just playing a fighter. That's all I am. But I am playing a fighter where I have uh, completely 100% based the everything about the character on Antonio Banderas as Puss in Boots. Nice. 100%. Yep. Are you a tabaxi? No, I'm just, I'm a half elf. I'm a half elf, but um, I use the same accent to try. I do my best. I do my best Puss in Boots voice, and I'm a finesse fighter using a rapier, and I've got the ridiculous hat. And yes, I do as much as I can. Swashbuckler? Um, not officially. Okay. I just I'm a, a spy. Oh, okay. Technically. okay. So. Yeah, and so it's everything is over, the, and I also talk in the third person the entire time. Yes, and um, the the character's name is Poppy. All I can imagine is right now Antonio Banderas hearing that and just doing the meme where he's like leaning back and biting on his finger from like the Assassin's movie he was in. Yeah. Perfection. Well, speaking of D&D, that segues perfectly into our first news article this week. Okay. Because we kind of got a little bit of a sneak peek of what 2024 is going to look like when it comes to D&D. Maybe a little bit more information than they were actually planning on giving. But... I think, I think there was a, some technical problems that Just happened. a bit. Just a bit. There was a slip. A wee slip of the internet. A little a, bit? A wee bit. Someone got overexcited? Because they just wanted to post. They just wanted to share information. And I get those type of people. Uh, but, of course, what we're looking at next year is the fabled 1D&D slash D&D 5.5 slash whatever they're actually going to call it whenever they show us the books. I, I think Ryan has the right of it. D&D um, 5.1. Yep. Um, my my grand guess is that we are slipping into the Warhammer D&D universe um, where we will get a new core book every couple of years. <laughs> oh. So we're going to have 5.1, and then we're going to have 5.2, and then we'll have 5.3.5. <laughs> so in like three years, they'll be called codexes instead of books? Uh-huh. Okay, that checks out. Well, it's uh, like, here's your ranger book. <laughs> we're going to well, go we, all the way back. Well, we had a nice. ranger book in second edition. I still have some of those. I've got the, the dwarves book, the elves book, the ranger book, the bard book, the clerics book. Listen, Lizards of the Coast, give me a lore book. 
Well, they're going to try a little bit of that, it seems, because not only are they going to be giving us a new player's handbook, a new monster's manual, and a new Dungeon Master's Guide with all up-to-date information. We were taking bets earlier if they were going to include Artificer in the player's hand guide. I had noticed that that has not been play-tested in any of the materials, so that would be interesting to see if they actually do. But uh, two other books were really released uh, with information, one of them being uh, a attack on the biggest bad, arguably one of the biggest bads of D&Ds, and that book would be called Vecna, Eve of Ruin. So this comes from Dice Breakers. Uh, this full-size adventure campaign will support group play all the way to level 20 and end with a fateful encounter with the lich-turned-god that turned that haunted the Forgotten Realms since 1976 and has grown in popularity because of a little show, you guys might have heard of it, called Stranger Things. Oh, right. <laughs> You forgot about that part. That was fairly dismissive. Oh, right. Well, you know, Vecna's also technically the big bad in Vox Machina. Oh, that is true as well. Yeah. Um, And I honestly think I may have forgotten that Stranger Things had anything to do with (laughs) D&D. Somebody came in once asking about Demogorgon, and I, I thought they were talking about the Demon Prince, and I was like... Well, I have this many, and he goes, "It doesn't look like Demogorgon." I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, Stranger Things, though, legit, I think, is part of the reason why Fifth Edition is more popular now than any other other versions have ever been. It's true. I think the pop culture of Stranger Things and Big Bang Theory and Critical Role and 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 and, and. like. You know, we've talked about Parks and Rec had the episode. Community, no uh, Parks and Rec. I would have the, loved to see a Parks and Rec D&D episode. But. Uh, yeah, Community, um, Scorpions, which was a show that was on Short-lived. CBS yep. for a while, had a D&D episode. I mean, it, it's been everywhere. At, yeah. and, and Did you hear about the stamps? Yes. <laughs> They're making 50th anniversary stamps next year for U.S. post offices for D&D. They're all, all dragons. No, not all. Mostly dragons. They're mostly dragons. It's a lot of dragons. There's a Tiamat one from the MTG uh, Borderless Art. It's very nice. Anyway, you know, if people back still sent mail, that would probably be very fun and interesting. I have to send mail when it's paperwork. It might as well have a cute dragon on it. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Brighten those people's days. Yeah. Yeah. When I go to the uh, um, post office for sending out bills and stuff for the store, I never get just like the the plain old U.S. flag ones. So I mean. Until I just ran out of Scooby-Doo stamps, and before that I was using the Star Trek stamps for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek a few years ago. So, yeah, people, you have to mail some things. Get the fun stamps. Mm-hmm. So the second Support book, your local post office. Support your local post office. And, yeah. Uh, the second book that's coming out is known as Quests from the Infinite Staircase, and according to uh, Dicebreaker as well, continues D&D anthology trend, joining recent releases such as Journey Through the Radiant Citadel and Candlekeep Mysteries. But this latest collection follows closer to Tales of the Yawning Portal, as both are collections of classic adventures uh, that have been updated to the 5th edition rules, not dissimilar to the one-shot adventures mentioned earlier in the article that we were reading. Apparently a new cosmic being is just going to bounce you around the universe and let you play all of these amazing um, old stories, which I'm wondering... So is it Elminster? Uh, maybe. I mean... They said a new cosmic being. Mm. So it might be somebody new on the scene. Okay. Mm. But I'm wondering Are we shaking if, up the Pantheon? 
Possibly. I'm wondering if White Plume might show up in there. Which I mean, it's classic, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely classic. It's it sounds like um, that it's going to be like Candlekeep Adventures, right? Where it's there's a one shot designed for each one of these little things, or Keys to the Golden Vault, or um, Radiant Citadel. What was the seaside one? I'm dropping the name now with the shipwrecks and everything. Oh, Salt Marsh. Yeah, yeah. Ghost of Salt Marsh. Right. All those are Radiant Citadel. All those are. Here's a bunch of loosely connected things that have a theme in common, but nothing else, and just have a good time. And so that sounds like it could be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I actually love those books, uh, and I'm using them for, because oftentimes with D&D, you're going to get something started and it's not going to finish. Like, it's, you, you kind of get the, the everybody interested, but then it kind of fizzles out once all of a sudden schedules start coming into play. So... Having something that I can at least get started and see if everyone in the party is going to stay committed is really nice. And actually, with uh, I'm helping out with an after-school program right now at Metcalf, uh, where we're running a D&D campaign, and the very first of uh, Candlekeep is what I'm running them through right now. Nice. And we are progressing at a snail's pace because I have to also deal with a cult about toast. Uh, there is a young lady who is... <laughs> did you say a cult about toast? I did not stutter. <laughs> Uh, there's a young lady who is uh, a physical manifestation of the Kool-Aid man. And we, we have to swap stories because I have a uh, Minotaur barbarian who I made the mistake of giving the Titanstone knuckles mm. to. And now he is the Kool-Aid man. Yep. Just so. barges through walls. Yep. This person is actually on, has had Kool-Aid before but is now on the search for more Kool-Aid, and that is their <laughs> motivation. And to tell you that's probably one of the most fleshed-out characters that we're dealing with, that should let you know where we're at right now. Nice. Uh, this the is what happens when you're dealing with sixth graders. It's a lot of fun, I will not lie. Are They've they going amazing. murder hobo on you? I haven't really given them the option. They have not run into too many people yet. I Okay. We have talked about on this podcast my own uh, murder hobo experience that's happening in Baldur's Gate 3 right now. Uh, And I don't want to expose children to that just so soon. (laughs) So it's very much been like, here's the mayor of the town that you created. Uh, He just needs you to go into a town where where there's a wizard. And then it flows into the first chapter of uh, uh, Candlekeep. Um, And so far, that's been really fun. Uh, It's mostly the kids have great ideas and it's mostly making sure they wait until it's their turn to share their ideas. Cause if I have to stop one of them from kidnapping another one, one more time, <laughs> you're in a magical mansion. There is no place to run away with a person at. They don't seem to get that, but we'll get there. We'll get there. They're learning and I'm very proud of them all. Absolutely. I think one of the big reveals about the book Bringing us back around. Please do. 48 subclasses going to be in the book. That's a lot. The new D&D Player's Handbook. Player's Handbook, yes. Yeah, 48 new subclasses. So if if there's a Player's Handbook, we've got to have... I feel like that would just be mostly a collection of them at this point, right? Hold on. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them that are on Unearthed Arcana and stuff, but there's not that many in 5th edition. Yeah, there is. Is there... Oh, man. I was thinking there's only like two or three per profession in 5th edition, so unless I'm not counting it. <laughs> in the original player's handbook, how many classes are there? In the original player's handbook, there are eight classes, and each of them have either two to three subclasses. So that's 24. That's uh, But I'm just saying, player's handbook, right? I'm talking about 
the expanded universe, yes, there's more if you count Volos and Xanathars yes. and all those. Absolutely. Which but this is just 48 in the player's handbook to start with, not including whatever future publications come out. So it's four to five per class. Yeah. Which, which is a lot. I'm wondering if they actually are just pulling the ones, because we've seen one or two come into playtesting. There was a brawler subclass, I think, for either Barbarian or Fighter. Um, I, but we have not really seen, in the playtesting at least, one for each at all. So I'm wondering if they're going to be pulling from the ones such as in Volo, such as in Maybe they have uh, to Tasha's. update the rules on them all to make them all cohesive about how to play them, so they're putting them all in one book. Probably. Yeah, probably. I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt that we're going to see 48 brand new subclasses. Oh, I'm fully expecting that most of them are just going to be rehashes, right? Yeah. 99%. Yeah. Yeah. But there's going to be like 48 subclasses with two new subclasses, you know? But yeah. it's been really interesting to see the evolution of what they've been putting out in the playtesting and then how they respond to them. Uh, I was regaling Jamie. I play in a game that Jamie runs. I have a character that... I purposely hide things about my character until they can really inconvenience Jamie, and then I reveal them. Uh, that is the way I like to play D&D, apparently. And uh, I, I let him in on two important factors of the change to monks, and that is you don't always have to use key points to use some of your powers now, but you can to <coughs> increase their ability. So, for example, I think you'll be able to, without spending a key point, disengage as a bonus action. But if you want to still have like the the full jump, you have to spend a key point. So that's kind of nice. There's there's a little bit more action economy going Not on. Not a fan of monks. Well, they're kind of uppity. I like that. <laughs> I, have been, I have also added to that feeling. So not a fan of monks. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think overall, what we're going to see next year, right? If we're going to have a player's handbook, it means we've got to have a DMG, and then we've got to have a monster manual. And they, but they have said the monster manual will be the biggest monster manual in terms of number of monsters, number of pages that they've ever put out as well. Hmm. Um, Hopefully they'll fix the SCR problem that Ariel cries about. Yeah, we might The challenge read. rating is uh, all the subclasses and all the new classes they've added have broken the challenge rating for many, many monsters. Where like, oh, this party, a third level party shouldn't be able to take on something this heavy and yet they still manage to kill the dang thing, right? We're also terrors, by the way. We can talk about this more when Errol's on the podcast, but I have a, my own serious issue with trying to do a CR. Like, <laughs> I understand the concept of trying to math that out, but as a DM, you... I just keep throwing stuff it's at people to be, until yeah, it kills yeah, something. It's supposed yeah. to be four third-level characters should be able to take on a CR3 monster. Right? Right. If you got six, you gotta add some stuff to it. If you got two, you're supposed to take some stuff away. But it reminds me of the story in a book series that Jamie got me into called uh, We Are Bob, We Are Legion, the Bobiverse series. <laughs> yes. Where eventually they are playing DD, and one character, I believe, takes a staff of fireballs <laughs> and locates it in an orifice of a dragon where things don't normally go in. He used it like a rectal thermometer. He did. And then launched a staff of fireballs. Multiple times, if I remember correctly. Because the, the DM determined that dragons are not, they're fireproof on the outside, but not, not fireproof inside. on the inside. Uh, so therefore, I would have made that ruling too, and that makes it bad. Yes. Yeah. So in those type of situations, I feel like you can't just say, Four characters, because are you fighting with four people that are thinking they're in Lord of the Rings, 
or are you fighting with four people that are deviants that <laughs> spend their time thinking about how to break the game as much as possible? Uh, I've always been more akin to the, I think it was a meme for a while on Tumblr where uh, a young boy was being a DM for his friends and they were just fighting a dragon and the adult kind of looked over the counter and realized the kid was not keeping track of HP at all. Mm-hmm. And so he then went to the kid and was like, hey, how do you know when the dragon's dead? Are you keeping it in your head? And he's like, no, we just fight it till it stops being fun and then that's when it dies. And I'm like, oh, that is the way I feel like it's, sometimes d and It dies when it's the coolest. Exactly. Rule of cool. It's, I do that a lot. Yeah. So... That's why if, I have if, half the, if, you're, if you guys, if my party that's playing, if half of them aren't down, then the, the big bad shouldn't be down yet. The big bad can't go down until at least half of the players are down. Which, knowing that, I'm just going to attack my companions from now on. <laughs> make sure that I don't feel so bad in some of the campaigns that I've run out. There was one time I cast darkness on, on people that were on my team and it did not go well for them. But then we ended up winning and now I understand the formula for winning in Jamie's games. I accidentally I... down a brand new player with an AoE because she didn't realize what it did. I felt really bad. Lesson learned though. They'll never forget. I will wrap up with the, the D&Z section here real for us real quick so we move on for the people that don't care about Dungeons & Dragons. We're always talking about Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> That's fair. Um, they're still, according to this article I'm reading, is they're still trying to call it one D&D. I just, I don't think it's going to stick. I, I don't think sure, it's going to work. Sure, it's one D&D. 5.1 D&D. 5.1 D&D. I like that. That's much better. Okay, 5.1 is the unofficial name now. Well, that is going to be in the future. In but the future. the next article has us take a look at the past. Now, there's plenty of awards when it comes to board games. There is the Eschenspiel, which we talk about at length every year. That Wait, we what did you call it? Did I call it the Eschenspiel? That's not Spiel right. Spiel de Aris. Spiel de Aris. It's at the Essen Game Fair that was awarded. Thank you. Yes, that was my fault. I apologize. I was um, like, sorry, I was, I, was, I was yawning over there for a second, and I was just like, wait, what? If you throw out enough of the same sounding syllables, it all works out in the end, right? It does for me. Um, Here, here's, let's talk, let me throw something out there. Do you remember the original box for Seven Wonders? Seven Wonders. It's not the black bordered one with. No, because yeah. the original box of Seven Wonders had seals of all the awards that it had won that were little bitty seals that took up all four sides of the box. There are so many game awards out there. So many. Yes. And keeping track of them all is kind of a hassle sometimes. I can completely understand that. And today John sent me uh, an article. (laughs) I did. To uh, Dicebreaker. Dicebreaker. Dicebreaker started their own awards. Yes. And... I had never heard of them before. And I was just like, wait, we already had awards once. It's like I felt like the French, like, we already got one. I told them we already got one, right? We had Stupid one, yes. English Knigets. What was... about second breakfast? Exactly, yeah. So I did send it without context. He started reading it. And we talked about it. And the fact is, we a lot of the articles that I pull from are from Dicebreaker. I try and break it up as much as possible, but sometimes... That's just where news lies. There's not a lot of news coverage anymore. Unless you want to watch somebody's video that's like two hours long all the time. I, I have Hey, guys, total... welcome to my video. Right. 
Please like and subscribe. It's sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. Or it's, <laughs> hey guys, let's talk about board games. Hi-ya! Um, Wait, isn't that kind of us, though? You're right, yeah. I'm saying, that's us. That's okay. ours. We've gone full circle. We've, we've out-meted ourselves. Yep. We can shut down now. We've hit the, the triumph. However, <laughs> before we do that, let's talk about that the Dicebreakers did have their own awards. Okay. And because... They did get like two dozen panelists who were, some of them were creators, some were publishers, some were journalists. It felt and then some they just said were influencers, and that, that just feels icky. Well, I mean, I'm thinking more of the, the people that I favorite probably on TikTok that talk about board games. I know that you, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy with the really fantastic mustache. Oh, um, Grant. Yeah. Grant Lyons. Which he's I, hilarious. I don't know if he's on this panel, but those are the type of people I think when they say influencers, which I would trust right. him. Uh, all the people that I follow on TikTok that are that are, you could probably call influencers, none of them were on the panel. I didn't actually, I didn't recognize a single person who was on the panel, except for the people who actually write for Dicebreaker. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I probably should have looked into that. I recognized the games that they had made, but not the people themselves. Interesting. So, I would say that they're all newerish to That's right. the industry. Right, which maybe that's not a bad thing too, because one of the big complaints about the Spiel des Jahres is it's kind of like the old German white guys club. Exactly. Right. So, we do have the American Tabletop Awards, and that's a little more. That's you know that's pretty diverse and pretty young crowd, and that's where you're going to run into like. Will Wheaton. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think Will Wheaton was on there. I know you were just being funny, but actually, he might have actually after running Tabletop. But I think that's where you're going to run into, you know, to Danny and Grant and, and some of those type of people's the American Tabletop Awards. I'm sorry, John, you're trying to keep us on track, and my ADD is just going sideways on this one. Doing my best, but my iPad just died, so you gave me a time to look this up on my phone. So I want to go over, seeing how we use them so often, just some of their top picks and awards that they pulled from. And you can actually can watch this on the video if you want. Um, they, they did announce that PAX was interesting. PAX, PAX Unplugged. Unplugged just happened. Yep. And I so wish they would stop doing it during the busiest freaking weekend for the store ever so I could go one time. Wouldn't that be nice? I would you like mean, to go. You mean don't want to abandon us on Black Friday? I want like, and I will. I might find the store burned to the ground. <laughs> it was the only way, Jamie. <laughs> it was the only way. We couldn't keep up. We just burned it down. <laughs> burned it all down. It's like somebody set a fire in the second bathroom. None of us actually got to see it until it was too late. <laughs> yeah. No, um, it's. I want to go. It looks fun. I'd like to go to PAX Unplugged one time. I'm sure we can make this happen. I want to go. Okay. Well, gonna, this year you didn't, know. so you missed out on seeing that uh, Dicebreaker's Rising Star publisher, which are publishers that have just came onto the scene, this year's winner was Hot Banana Games, specifically for a game called Steam Up, A Feast of Dim Sum, which... It's a good game. It's a great game. It's a great game. We had the Kickstarter. We backed the Kickstarter on that one. It's a lot of fun. And I went to restock after we sold out of all the Kickstarter and none available. Jamie, why would that be? Because Barnes & Noble's made it their game of the year, and they bought all of it mm-hmm. from everywhere. Mm-hmm. They bought the entire print run. Apparently, they bought a 50,000-copy print run for what Steam Up. Yeah. That's a lot. There's like 5,000 game stores in North America. They bought 50,000 copies. I don't know. How many Barnes & Noble do you think there are in America? Oh, that's a good question. 1,000? Ryan's is looking this up as we speak. Uh, I don't want to navigate away because I want to tell you about our rising star designer 
who is Kathy Mothwin, who designed the games Clean Spirit and The Sticker Game. I have no idea what those are. are. I'm not familiar with those either. As of October 2023, there are 592 Barnes & Nobles. Not even 1,000 stores for a 50,000 copy print run. Yeah. I'd swear I read it was a 50,000 copy print run. I will say that every time I go into a Barnes & Noble, I feel like the board game section is just getting bigger and bigger. They've they've pulled away from Pops. They've pulled away a little bit from the weeb stuff. They have I, definitely pulled away from some weeb stuff because yep. I can't get any of my series anymore. Mm-hmm. And then also the, the like toy section is getting larger and larger as well. Really getting away from the books. Yeah. More and more people are listening to audiobooks and reading ebooks all the time. And if you're smart, you're doing that through your local library. It's yes. true. It's free. It's with the library card. But what's not free is finding out, well, I guess it is, finding out the publisher of the year, because we're going to tell you right now. <laughs> which this is one that we, we actually fully support. Publisher of the year was Restoration Games, who have been making Unmatched. Yep. We made one of Jamie and I's favorite games that we've played lately, Thunder Road Vendetta. That was so good. Uh, Return to the Dark Tower, and a game that I just introduced Ryan's to. We just talked about it, Downforce. Yeah. yeah. And their really claim to fame was coming in and trying to take older games and updating them for uh, the newer crowd. So they did Fireball yeah, Island. Fireball Island's the first one I remember. Yes. They Thunder t- Road Vendetta is an old game. Dark Tower is an old game, right? The first one that ever talked to you. There's one called Stop Thief, which is a little bit under the radar, but it's actually really fun. I don't remember that one. You use a app, and basically there's a map, and you're playing as different investigators. Each investigator has a special ability, and there's little numbers on the map. And you can hear what the thief is going through as they're walking away. So you can tell when they're walking inside a building, when they crash through a glass window, when they're walking outside of the street. And so you have to use your powers of deduction as well as your own special abilities to determine where you think the thief is in order to stop them. There is no figurine for the thief. It's it's kind of like, oh, what was the Dracula game that came out a little while ago where sometimes you don't know where Dracula is on the map? Dracula. Was it just Dracula? Um, the Blood of Dracula or something like that? It was the one, uh, it's actually a Games Workshop game that Final Fantasy had the license to for forever. Final Fantasy? Not Final Fantasy, Final Final. Fantasy Flight. Sorry. Okay. Very different, very different. My bad. It's going to be included in um, uh, Kingdom Hearts, though. That's one more thing that they're going to throw in there, so looking for that. Anyways, we, I love Restoration Games. Whenever I see their name, I know it's probably going to be a quality time. Uh, designer of the year was David Thompson and Trevor. Fury of Dracula. Thank you. There it is. Uh, designer of the year was David Thompson and Trevor Benjamin, who did General Orders, World War II, Undaunted, and War Chest. And those are those miniature games, aren't they? I think so. I I see them all the time in our GTMs, our magazines that are free for pickup if you're ever in the store and you see one. Um, but I've, I've never actually... I don't think we have any sort of community like them here. They seem very historically accurate. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if we really have the crowd that is the essential for that. Um, I know we don't stock any of them either, so it's kind of like a... I think I've seen one small package of them like littered in the you, like paint section. Do and you know why, John? Please don't know why. It's because someone special ordered it and never picked it up. <laughs> that would explain it. Yep. That would explain it. Yeah, that's what usually happens. Uh, War Chest, I think we had for a while, though, when it first came out. I 
if I'm I'm looking at the box. Oh yeah, we've had that. That yeah. one was from Alderac Entertainment from AEG. We we had War Chest. That was the one that was the most. Uh, that's a bag builder, if I remember right, versus some of the other ones. Um, and I don't think so. That one's definitely not minis. Um, whereas you know other things are. Um, I think we had Undaunted for a while too. Yeah, we had Undaunted for a while as well. I think it just sold out, and we probably should try to get some more in. Undaunted is a, a deck builder. Oh. So I've been trying. How long has it been since we've had it in? Um, I think we only got a few copies of it when it first came out, and um, it, it's been out for pre-COVID. Okay, cool. Pre-Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been trying to copy the name of the winner of the best art. Um, and let me go ahead and try and paste this in here. Safrit? Safrit? Something Sef- along Sefirit? those lines? From what? S E F I R O T? Which it looks like it's an RPG game where you use tarot cards in order to spurn what's going to happen next instead of dice. Similar to what we were kind of talking about uh, a few podcasts ago with the big black cube of Invisible Sun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and uh, I would tell everybody that Ariel has definite opinions about RPGs that use cards only. <laughs> oh, well, maybe we'll have to talk to her about that when we get a chance. Um, but yes. Up so, for, I, I want to say that in this one for best art, I haven't actually seen Safrit, but one of the finalists was Flabbergasted. And I love the art in Flabbergasted. So for it to beat out this. Uh, we were looking at the art uh, just a few seconds ago, mm-hmm. and it actually is really nice. It's um, very pretty. Ryan, as an artist, would you like to comment on it in any way, shape, or form? Um, it deals a lot with uh, texture and color language to evoke emotion, which is super valid, uh, and I think it looks really cool. Um, I looked up one of the artists, Viv Tanner, uh, and... She seems worth her salt. Okay. Yeah. High praise from Ryan's. Okay. All right. This one's a little controversial. That's uh-huh. best ongoing card game. And the walkaway winner, beating out Flesh and Blood, Magic, Lord of the Rings, Pokemon, and with even with, uh, yeah, just those, sorry, is Disney Lorcana, the first chapter. It, ongoing makes it sound like it has been here for a second. Which right. It hasn't. It's <laughs> barely. It's been basically a ghost in some regards because yeah, ongoing makes makes it sound like you can get it exactly. Or yeah, that it's not you know the first set <laughs> that's ever come out. Yeah, I don't know that one. That was a weird one for me. I just I think Ryan said it right. It's the first set of the game that's ever been released. Was it cool? Yeah, it's but okay. I don't know. That's it's an interesting one. It's also an interesting naming convention. The best ongoing card game. Does that did they leave it open like that? You wonder to also include like living card games in that, or you know, instead well, of just CCGs. I'm yeah. guessing that's the Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle Earth. Is oh wait no that's a no magic that was set. magic that's a magic set that they came out that they put that out there for. Yeah, that's a good question. I would assume it's Because normally you call it a trading card game or a collectible card game, right? Right. And my gut would tell me it's to weed out the, you know, the one-hit wonders that we sometimes see. Like, someone makes a Dragon Ball or My Hero Academia and it does okay for, like, a short bit and then that doesn't go anywhere anymore. Flesh and Blood? 
At least here. At least here. <laughs> I, I have friends that are still into Flesh and Blood and really enjoy it. It's still going. Flesh and Blood's still going really well, especially West Coast. Really nice. popular in the West Coast. And but, Zeke's Comics and Games got a pretty good crowd plays on Wednesdays. Hmm. We just can't get it going here. Weird. But for best ongoing card game and then seeing Lorcana, that kind of removes that theory that it's supposed to be yeah. something that's been I around mean, for you know, a bit. My Heroes on set seven, six, mm-hmm. seven. Digimon's on 12. One Piece is just getting ready for five to drop. And, and none of those are even considered. And then Lorcana, don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy Lorcana. And the art is cool and fresh. They didn't just rehash art straight out of one of the movies or one of the books. There I are some that... animation cells that we refuse to let go of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, Ryan, were you on the episode where we talked about the lore of Lorcana? Like no, there's, that was uh, just me and yeah, no. Okay, there's something going on in the background of some of those cards, like reoccurring themes like gemstones and creepy vines or or seaweed of a weird color that appears across the board. So we, we got to see if we find that author again and see if he updated a, it from Rise of the Floodborne now that I, it's out. I will do some because that checking. was that was before Rise of the Floodborne had yes. been spoiled. Yeah, like there's hidden things. This guy's got this whole crazy theory about all the hidden things going on in the artwork behind the scenes. Yeah. And so we got to see if his theory holds true now that the new set's out. Because Lorcana really has not dropped a lot of actual story lore. Like there's some videos of what you can presume is a young woman in a large place that is creating people, but that's all we see. So The Illuminarium. The Illuminarium. But Limited you've got, mind. you know, all you've got Magic writes their own lore, publishes five to eight pieces every time a set comes out. Yeah. Pokemon just is pulling out of the cartoon series or the movies, and every other TCG, well, not Flesh and Blood, but all the rest of them are based on an anime or a cartoon of some sort. So yeah. I don't know if Flesh and Blood has an ongoing lore or not. I will ask my friend and bring us back that information later. There you go. Yeah. I'd just now. like to put it out there that if Wizards would like to uh, ease back on the amount of sets they're putting out and maybe put out a cool like animated like series for, for Magic, I think that would be A-plus. Good ideas. <laughs> well, theoretically, they're supposed to be working on a Magic cartoon series with Netflix, but I haven't heard anything Have about it in a long time. For, yeah. And I feel like that is one that actually might have gotten them more players in Magic if it had done well, whereas the D&D movie... I, I felt like we all kind of called that shot of people who like D&D will like it. People who don't like D&D might like it, but nobody's going to play D&D because of this movie. Whereas if you showed me a Magic the Gathering cartoon and you did it correctly, I might be down to say, oh, well, I'm going to give Magic a try. Like, I get to call the cool creatures and giants and gods. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to see Vraska. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> uh, next category is best RP role-playing game. And the runaway winner with this one was Women Are Werewolves, which I had not heard anything about, but had a really interesting premise where uh, in this RPG world, women are werewolves, but you play as a non-binary character and then kind of have to deal with the... I'm trying to think of the right wording for this. Uh, either what is essentially the gender norms of your world, um, what is expected of you within that binary, and how you disrupt it. Um, it was a uh, RPG that originally um, 
one of our past coworkers, Angel, I think, found the Kickstarter and told me what it was. Um, but I never really got to play. Because we sold out of it pretty fast, right? Oh, uh, we had it kicking around for a while. Oh, okay. Um, but it is a card-based uh, RPG. That yeah, so like Ariel it. hated it. Oh, absolutely. Refused to sell it. That makes sense. Yep. That checks out. Um, but uh, now we're getting into the... Oh, can I throw out a new piece of news that I just found? Beep, 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 beep. Breaking news. <laughs> so we know, we talked about Hasbro sold um, E1 after uh, Honor Among Thieves, right? Correct. Yeah. Did you know that they launched a new entertainment division led by the E1 executives? <laughs> So they sold E1 off, but kept some of the people to launch a new entertainment executive, uh, entertainment division called Hasbro Entertainment. Shocker. Which uh, will unify the company's film, television, animation, and digital media businesses. So mm. Oliver Dumont will serve as the president of Hasbro Entertainment with Zeb Foreman and Gabriel Morano as head of film and head of television, respectively. Because I was looking for any information about the Magic the Gathering animated series. Yeah. And uh, I found an article saying, well, we don't, they haven't talked about it. They announced it in 2021 that it was going to show screenings in 2022. We obviously missed those dates. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's apparently everything has been consolidated and they're trying to come up with a new plan for what they're going to do going forward. Because you still got D&D movies, and we talked about last podcast that um, Chris Pine is open to making another movie, uh, so we might see him back. I think um, that'd be fun. I did just watch um, The Toys That Made Us on Netflix and the, the Transformers episode. Which Such was, a good series. Which was great. Yes. Um, Blue Beetle. How was Blue Beetle involved in that one? Oh, he's just one of the things the guy works on. So... We should. We could still get something coming back. We, you know, we've got we've had GI Joe movies, Transformer movies. We haven't really had. I'm surprised there's not a My Little Pony cartoon series. There is. There is. There was. Oh, that's where. That's where it always is. There's always been a My Little Pony cartoon series. I only just knew My Little Pony is just like the my sister's toys. My my niece. Uh, it was something I watched with my niece. They actually have some decent lore in it. Um, I, I, I am not a brony. I just need to establish this right now. Uh-huh. But I could see, knowing some of the people I know in our community, why <laughs> Isn't bronies exist. Isn't that the first exist. step of being a brony is denying that you're a brony? It's like Fight Club. We don't talk about Fight Club. I mean, normally you find other bronies. And you... We're moving this conversation <laughs> along before it gets turned against me to the best board game. I didn't know that Hasbro owned Peppa Pig. My oh, nieces that's awful. and nephews were just completely addicted to that cartoon. Why? I don't understand. There's so much better things out there. I, I don't know. Like even Daniel Tiger is kind of like five year olds though. There's some weird things going on in the pet the Peppa Pig podcast needs to be like a Patreon goal or something. I don't know, but we could have a long conversation about what's wrong with Peppa Pig. Uh, we'll move on to best board games, though. Okay, you're just like ending this conversation. We're, We're moving on. Boom. Uh, best board game is Sky Team, which I like Sky Team. You had brought back uh, from was it Origins that Gen you saw Con. that at Gen Con? That's yeah, right. it was one of the hottest games at Gen Con. I thought it looked real. I thought it was fun. You play. It's a two-player game where you and a co-pilot basically have to bring in a plane to various different airports that have different conditions and. 
basically have to monitor all these different types of systems that are then held by a double-layered board, it looked like? Yeah, it's um, there's definitely some push-your-luck um, dice option elements to it a little, but there's also, um, it's almost like uh, worker placement, not worker placement, um, dice assignment, right? When you're, you're rolling the dice and you've got to assign them to the, the specific places to keep the plane level or, you know, certain dice rolls are needed to raise the flaps and lower the landing gear. And um, there's some things that happen with the number of planes in front of you that you've got to deal with as well to, to not crash into other planes. It was a, it's a cool game. It's, I think, I think from, I think it's an interesting pick. I don't know if it would have been my game of the year award, but I can see why it would make a game of the year list, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's different enough that we haven't had a game that I can think of that's like it, where you know a, a two player only game is a is a you know as they would say bold choice cotton. See yeah. how that we'll see how that plays out for you. And um, I, I think it's I think it's interesting that they're picking a two player only game that's a two player co-op game um scorpion mask of course the publisher for that we have sold many many of their games because they're the ones who made uh zombie kids evolution which we've sold a lot of a lot of copies because it's a great kids game so Mm -hmm. you know um i don't know i don't i i was trying to think about like what would i pick for all the games released in 2023 what would i pick right now for board game of the year and Sky Team is, it's got to be in the top five, I imagine right now. But I don't know, I don't know what I would pick at this point. I really had a good time playing for a shuffle. Yeah. I God, we had we cackled ourselves silly playing Vendetta Fury Road. Mm-hmm. Um, Moon was super cool, right? If I'm trying to think through all the newly released games for 2023, I'd have to look at a list of. Of all the games of when they act, I, sometimes I get confused when they actually show up. But Jamie, if anyone can have their own awards, maybe Red Raccoon needs to have their own awards program. That sounds like work. Ryan's is shaking her head, just so excited <laughs> about this. So that would that would require may insist upon that we get everybody in a room more than once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, to not only vote on the games, but to play them. Mm. Board game training would take much longer. Yeah. Well, you could do something like they did at Dicebreaker for their People's Choice Award, where they went ahead and instead of using their uh, industry judges, they let people write into what they thought there was their favorite and collated that information. Their People's Choice Award was actually somewhat shocking in my belief. And it's actually a game that I've gotten to play. It's called Fabula Ultima. It is an RPG where it... Isn't it a JRPG? It is a JRPG, which... Okay, well, that's... RPG with a JRPG foundation? There we go. That's more like it. Because when we talk about RPGs the way we talk about RPGs, it's kind of different. It pulls very much from the Final Fantasy-esque worlds of what you're building... Uh, I got to play it for a uh, 
Free RPG Day two years ago, I think. Yeah. And I think they finally just released it. I think it was kind of in playtest whenever I got to play it. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it gave a lot of flexibility. I felt like it was a good medium between the heavy mechanics of a D&D or Pathfinder and a light mechanics of like a City of Mist. And I'll tell you, I it's, it's one of my favorite stories with a character. And I only played one two-hour session with it. But in the end, my character sacrificed themselves and had like an epilogue scene and very much felt like I could visualize that. I, I really like that game. I know that we've had it in the store before, but I I was not aware that there were so many fans of it enough to actually write in enough votes to have that win. Yeah, well, it's interesting that Game of the Year is an RPG, too, because you don't actually see that most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the time the Game of the Year is going to be a card game or it's going to be a, a board game. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, I know Jesse played it, and Jesse had a great time with it, and um, we sold a bunch of it. I just, I think we were waiting on another print run. We've got one copy. Of Do we have one right left? Now. Okay. Yeah. And I know that there's some planned expansions I've seen. I talked to the guys about it really briefly at uh, Gen Con. They were all there. I think, are they French? Uh, it looks like it, yes. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it was very obvious that English was not their first language. I'm always impressed by somebody from another country who comes to America and speaks um, English because I can't go to any other country and speak their language at all, right? The fact that they learned a second language, that's something I just never was any good. I can speak English, nerd, and computer, (laughs) right? And and I know that those are three distinct languages because you could speak English and not be able to speak nerd. And I know people who can speak nerd and not actually be able to use English very well at the same time. You're making some valid points here right now. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, and then as you're a computer guy too, so you know that there's got to plenty of people who just don't understand what the hell's happening there. Uh, One of the reasons why I've been successful in my life is because I can talk English and I can talk computer. And there are so few people that can do both, it seems. And you're a people person. I, I like to think so. You take the requirements from the customer and you give it to the engineers. I'm a people person. <laughs> oh, we're, we, oh, you're, you're talking about the guy who got fired. That does not inspire me with confidence. <laughs> However. But you can make a jump to conclusions, conclusions, Matt. Yes, I could. It's only a matter of time now. Well, while we... Uh, well, all these games are certainly a lot of fun that we've gotten to play over this last year that they have been noting. There are some things that are even newer and didn't make this list. So let's go ahead and take a look at the new hotness in Red Raccoon. The new hotness. Hey, you know what's in the new hotness? That actually, I want to play it, and it actually could end up being on our a game of the year list. Okay. The Fox Experiment. That's the new Elizabeth Hargraves one. We just got it in. Thursday or Friday, that's the Kickstarter. We've got the Kickstarter version of the base game, and then we've got the bundle with the Kickstarter version, the five, six-player expansion, and the playmats. And Elizabeth Hargraves, of course, famous for Wingspan. Yes. And then her follow-up was um, Mariposas, which was the, I, the I liked it. I, it did, I did, too. A lot of people didn't like it. I thought it was cool. It's a butterfly migration. It's a very simple game. Yeah. And then... Um, Tussie Mussy, I think, was it was a little bitty, teeny tiny card game that she put out. And so then now this is back from, I think this is, is this Renegade, I think? And, uh, Pandasaurus. Pandasaurus. Oh, is it Pandasaurus? Okay. 
And uh, yeah, based on real world experiments in Russia about the evolution and character traits of foxes. Specifically the domestication. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I kind of want to check it out. That, that actually could be a contender for game of the year, depending on how it plays. I haven't, I mean, it's getting good reviews, but, you know, haven't had a chance to get it to the table yet. Well, we've only got like two more kicks, the whole bundle ones. So. Oh, really? It's going that fast? Oh, dang. Okay. So on the new hotness, not only do you have the Kickstarter edition, but also the five to six player expansion. No, that's all in one bundle. Yeah, no, there's a there's bundle. a bundle where you get the base game plus the five to six player expansion plus the mats. It's all one bundle. Oh, excuse me. Otherwise, you get just the base game plus the Kickstarter stretch goal types. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. My mistake. It's all good. Um, speaking do, speaking wingspan, we also have Apiary, um, which is the new stone liner, uh title. Um, which is about space bees, but I don't know how it plays. <laughs> we talked about that a little bit last week, yeah. Uh, speaking of, speaking of Wingspan, uh, there's also the fan pet packs. Uh, they're fan art packs. Correct. Um, and it's a collection of different arts from artists all over the world who contributed to this fan project. Um, and now you can replace some of your cards and Wingspan with them, and they're really pretty. Speaking of, speaking of, speaking of, <laughs> there's Scooby-Doo Munchkin. <laughs> I was just about to tee you up for that. Are we going to be playing uh, Scooby-Doo Munchkin? God, we have to. Right? If there's one theme that was ever appropriate for Munchkin, it's Scooby-Doo Munchkin. I mean, you're literally kicking in doors and finding bad guys behind the doors, right? It's but true. it's all those scenes of the doors in and out of the haunted houses when they would be running around. But the question is, do they give you the ability to run in through one door, but somehow appear in another door with a different person following you, or possibly running on the ceiling, or whatever bit that they were doing at that time? Yeah. Listen, those frames got to be used. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, they need to be in a dark room, so we only have to animate the eyes. It's true. So, uh, I think one of the other things that we got up there that is... Finally available is Project L. Have you ever played Project L? I have not. So Project L is kind of like multiplayer Tetris. Okay. Um, you you you're drafting tetranomino pieces, and they're like a hard plastic piece in the various shapes, and then you're you're collecting these pieces in front of you. And then there are cards that you can get to complete, and so you make the shapes, and when you can completely fill in a card, that's how you can score end-of-game points or bonuses that allow you to do new things as you go along. Interesting. But it's like a race of who's getting which pieces and who's going to be able to fill in which cards, because I don't think you can take a, if I remember right, I played it one time with Chance, if you, you can't take a card until you can actually put all the pieces together so we might all be going for the same card and it might be a race of who can get the light who can draft the correct pieces in the right timing to fill in the card it was fun it's, it's a fairly it's i would say it's kind of a middleweight game and it could be fun and casual and light or depending on who you're who you're playing with it could definitely get far more competitive so Everything can get competitive if you try hard because uh raccoon robbers can also get very competitive yeah that's fair. Does anyone know anything about Tentacle Town? So it's a it's a kids game. Okay. Um, I 
feel like we talked about it very briefly. It's from Monster Fight Club, so uh, I assume the tentacles are very well done. Yeah, Monster <laughs> Fight Club does a lot of minis. Yes, gotcha. You know, a lot of terrain, a lot of minis. Uh, you're building out your, um, it's kind of a worker placement a little bit, but you're trying to build out your, um, your seaside town. And then you're trying to score points before the tentacles show up and tear everything apart. Gotcha. Yeah, it looks fun. So uh, Tokaido Duo is up there too. I don't remember if we talked about that last time or I don't not. Think we did, no. So Tokaido is an older game. Uh, I don't even know where it came out. 2013, 2012, something like that. And it is, Tokaido is literally a game about who can have the best experiences and the most fun while they're on vacation. And it is a elegant and beautiful game that is just, it, it won a bunch of awards, a bunch of accolades and stuff like that. And then there's just never, there was a couple of expansions that came out for it. They released some premium pieces. They did like a, here's a 10 year anniversary box for it that had like a, some, you know, updated art and, and premium pieces for everything. And then it just kind of like vanished and we yeah. haven't really heard anything about it. And the publishing rights changed hands a couple times. And now um, a new company got rights to it. And then the first, one of the first things, they're, they're finally getting it back in print because we couldn't even get it for a while, you know, with all the craziness that happened during COVID and supply chain stuff. I, didn't, I lost track of it. And then I finally found out that um, what's going on with it. And then now we've got a, a faster playing two-player only version in Tokaido Duo as well. So, you know, that's that new trend of let's take these other bigger kind of a more elaborate games and we'll make a faster playing or a two-player only like Seven Wonders Duel or um, uh, Pandemic, like the Hot, hot Zone, yep. Pandemic Hot Zone ones. You know, um, Asmodee has been doing a lot of that. And... Um, one of the guys, he's not the designer, but one of the guys at the company that brought this out is Andre Kieran, which is that he's an interesting name because Andre for a long time ran all United States Games Workshop. And oh. before that, he was at Asmodee North America. Um, actually, he wasn't at Asmodee North America. He was at Fantasy Flight before Fantasy Flight got bought by Asmodee. He wasn't the owner, but he was one of the primary guys. So he's like known in the game trade. And um, he actually called the store last week to say, hey, how's it going? Do you need anything? What can we do? How's the game selling? Stuff like that, too. So I was like, that's interesting. And I totally did not expect to be on a phone call with Andre. This is exactly the reason why I wanted to start this podcast with you, Jamie. You bring such interesting information. However, I will say you've let me down a little bit because there's one thing, one book I see on there that I would have thought we would have talked about by now. Oh, I was going to talk about Red Dragon Inn number nine. You can throw that in, but then I need to accost you for my decision. Yeah, you were going to talk about the cookbook. I was going to talk about the cookbook. Yes, you were. So um, everybody here, I think if you're on this podcast, you have to know that certain things, right? My favorite games are Carcassonne, Dominion, Zombicide, Red Dragon Inn's in that list. And so this is Red Dragon in number nine, which is nine new characters. It's called the Undermountain. I'm sorry, four new characters. And it's called the Undermountain. And it's just a continuation of the crazy zaniness that every other Red Dragon Inn has brought to the table. And if you're a fan of Red Dragon Inn, here are four new crazy characters to add to the game. 
I was so close to buying all of those Red Dragon Inns. On the auction? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't get them. It's I... me and Ryan and Kat are the really big Red Dragon Inn fans. Here. Kat tried to suck me into it one time. I, I was working and it was a have little... Have you ever played? No. Oh, God. We're, we we're going to have to get John, we'll have okay. to get John into a game. Yeah. This is exactly how Kat reacted. This, yeah. is, this is a sign of addiction. <laughs> Red Dragon Inn, the basic premise is, is we have gone and we have been on our adventure and now we are back from the adventure. We're at the inn. The adventure is over. And we're doing what all adventurers should be doing. We're drinking, we're gambling, and we're fighting. And so you have in the game, you have a health meter and you have an alcohol consumption meter. And should those two meters meet, you pass out and you're out of the game. Or if you lose all your money because you gambled it all away, you can't buy a round of drinks for anybody. That's fair. Yeah. And it's a, it's just a, it's a card game where every, every character has their own unique deck of cards and every character plays differently. Oh, okay. So, um, I'm alerted by this. Gurky is still uh, a nightmare, even after uh, nine other boxes. Gurky's the thief. Ah. Uh, and he cheats at cards really bad. My, my, I think one of my favorite characters is still Thog. He's from the second box set. Thog's a big orc, and he's a fighter. And my favorite card of his is Thog Not Think So, which is when, when somebody tries to be do something that's just super jerky to you, you just play Thog Not Think So, and it just cancels out whatever they were going to do. <laughs> it's a nope. It just doesn't happen. It's a nope. It's, it's a 100% nope. nope. Everybody has their own I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, it's great. But Thog is still the best. Thog, so, Thog Not Think So. If you're going to have a good time with good drinks, you always need good food. Yes. And therefore, Dungeons & Dragons has provided us once again to an expansion to Heroes Feast with flavors of the multiverse. It looks good. We, I made a bunch of the, men, the recipes from the first Heroes Feast book. We sold a lot of copies of the first Heroes Feast cookbook. And I think it just tickled that fancy because the original one had like, here's menu items from the Yawning Portal, and here's menu items from all these famous regions. This one, they just expanded where those places are from, right? Because now, since the first book has been published, we've gone back to Dragonlance. So we have food from Dragonlance, and we've gone back to um, Planescape. So we have food from the menus at Planescape, and we've gone to Spelljammer, right? So now we have from the Rock of Brawl, um, the, the, was it the Lucky Beholder? Mm-hmm. Is that the bar? Yep. Yeah. Um, so they've added menu possible menu items from this and what that means for people who are just going to prepare those items is now they've added various Asian and Middle Eastern foods into the into the game as well yeah now Ryan, they look pretty tasty what if I told you that there was a way that you could preview this food before you actually get to eat it we talked about this a little in the last podcast what if you could see how it's made because there's a cooking show oh, right. that is specifically making these foods. Do you want to know where you could watch that? On on Amazon? On, on Freebie. On, Freebie. on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. But what if, have you considered that I hate television? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I thought maybe that was the tipping point. Maybe if we give you a Dungeons & Dragons food show. Well, they hired real chefs to make these, right? Because we also have, I don't, do we, do we have any more copies? They actually released a magic yeah. food across the plains, the, the planescapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not planescapes. Food across the... Uh, I don't remember. There was this, I don't know, whatever it was. It might have been the plains. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we've they got the magic They hired real ones. chefs to make this stuff. It's not like 
you know, me in the kitchen or something. Yeah. I do wish that they were LARPing the whole entire time. Like, they had chosen a character, but I don't think that's how the show works. That would be fun. Yeah. If someone um, dressed up as Boo, like if Gordon Ramsay shaved his head and just <laughs> had a hamster on his shoulder while making those items, I, I think that would be fantastic. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Um, so... Obviously, people can come in and pick up any of these amazing new hotness items, as well as the multitude of other things we have in the store. We have an abundance of new Gundams that looks awesome. Um, other things that I can't think of. More squishables, as always. We've got uh, the return of the takeout boxes filled with dice. Perfect. Spice, dice, and, and everything's nice. nice. But if people wanted another reason to come in and check out all these new products. What's going on this week that they might want to come and see? Nothing. Okay. Well, <laughs> with that, no. Um, I, th- I think we've got, well, we've got all of our normal weekly things. Yeah. Um, we got a one-piece pre-release that's got to get rescheduled because the stuff didn't show up on Friday like it was supposed to, so now we got to get it rescheduled. Yeah, I don't know where that stuff is. Thanks, Luffy. Uh, I think it was coming from GTS. Okay, my I don't know where that. it's at. It's on. I saw it on open order on GTS. I don't think GTS has actually put it in a box and shipped it to us yet. Oh, fun. Yeah, which is, is probably a holiday screw-up thing. But, um, no, there's there's a... So, this upcoming week, there's a Lorcana draft, mm-hmm. which is the second time we've done that. That'll happen on Saturday. And then there's just tons of holiday stuff going on, including... It's not this weekend, but next weekend, which should be, what's that, the 16th or something like that, whatever those dates might be, um, is the Krampus Market that is our friends at Painted Wraith are doing downtown. So I think that's worth coming to just going to the Krampus Market as well. Um, And then, of course, we've got the infamous D20 sale coming up. So that's, we might have another podcast, or we might do in the podcast on the 20th. I think the 20th is a Tuesday this year. It's a Wednesday. Oh, so we probably have done the podcast the day before the D20 sale. Yeah. The D20 sale is always incredibly popular. But the podcast comes out on Wednesday. So it'll be the day of. So it's good to talk about it now. Yes. So on December 20th, the D20 sale happens. And you bring whatever you're going to buy to the register. And then you roll a 20-sided die. And that's your percentage discount you get for that day. So D20 sale. I think this will be the 10th time we've done that. We've done it every year that I've owned the store. So I think this is nine. Have you been witness to a critical success? Yes. Okay. And critical fails. So on the D20 sale, if you roll under a five, you get the option of taking a reroll, but you must accept whatever your reroll was. And I have absolutely had people roll a three and go down to a two or down to a one after they roll a three. In which case... I often will be like, okay, if you go and check in that you're at Red Raccoon on Facebook, I'll I'll just give you the 5%. And they're like, no, I just want the 2% because it's funnier that way. And then they check in and they say, okay, I got a 3, then I got a 2. It's a better story for them. Of course. So, yeah, the D20 sale. So we, uh, it's, it's often imitated, often copied, but this will be nine years for us. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. That's what I have to say. And that's all we need to say about that. That's And that's all I got to say that's about that. That's all we need to say about life that. Life is like a box of chocolates. I thought you were going to go with the life is like a hurricane. Oh, again. God, we're going there again? 
It's how we started. It's how it's we're going to end. But before we end, I do want to go ahead and, and do something that we've almost got out of the habit of, but we're coming back to it. Piece of media that we're enjoying right now that we want to share with other geeks and nerds that are listening to this podcast. Something that we are really just like getting into and super enjoying. Uh, I will say mine has not happened yet, but it's very exciting for me. And that is the Video Game Awards are this week. These right. are my Oscars. These are the This is the award show I wait for every year. Jeff Keighley <laughs> does an amazing job. And not only do we get to see some amazing awards and people being recognized, but also they usually drop a lot of amazing game trailers, some that we haven't even seen before. And considering how E3 has gone out the door and how Sony oh, and Microsoft... Wait, E3 is out the door? Yeah, it's it's not doing well anymore. I, oh. I think ever since COVID, they tried to bring it back a little bit, but major like I don't think Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo goes to E3 anymore. Well, that's because they E3. all made their own thing. Exactly. I was at E3 and went to E3 the year the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox were coming out. <sighs> that was a dicey year. I remember that. Yeah, it was it was fun though. It was crazy. Was I think it was PlayStation? No, might have been PlayStation Two. Oh. Yeah, uh, PlayStation. It would have been. It would be PlayStation Two and Xbox One. Yeah, it would have been like two thousand and two thousand one, whatever that was. The beginning of the golden era. But the the big names have decided that they want their own time and to shine, and they don't really like sharing it at E three. So they've mostly pulled out of E three. It's not the event that it used to be. However, uh. the Game Awards are still one of those locations. So between this and the Summer Games Fest that Jeff Keighley puts on every year, those are kind of the de facto events. And plus, it's a lot cheaper for Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo to advertise there because they don't have to set up a booth. They don't have to set up like special events. They don't have to worry about you know creating an area or renting a room for people to come into. Uh, it's already set up for the award ceremony as it is. They just get to show their trailers. So... Very exciting on what might come out of there. Yeah. Fingers Interesting. Crossed. Okay. What so you got, Ryan's? Um, I have finally started playing Baldur's Gate again um, <laughs> after being very distracted. Um, and I am very excited because I actually get to see the things on the screen. <laughs> New TV helping out a little bit? Um, I was playing on a 30-inch uh, that was eight feet away from me. I could only see the highlights around the items that I was picking up. <laughs> yep. yep. You think so 30 inch to 65 inch is going to make a little bit of a play difference for you? Just a little bit. I, I was talking to Chance about how uh, none of the cash shop items in Diablo had any sort of sway over me because I couldn't see them on the screen, and now it's become uh, a problem. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. We'll have to see how this plays out for Ryan's. I remember when I was playing uh, DC on DC Universe Online, and I was still had a tube TV, like the the big guy, and literally none of the text was able to show up properly. I couldn't read anything, and that was what finally pushed me to get a flat screen. Yeah. Nice. Uh, okay, so for my piece of media, I'm going to flash back a little bit because I picked up the uh, a 4K set of Kong Skull Island um, Godzilla and then Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> 
funny you should mention this because we just watched some of that or i just watched some of that the other night when some friends came over and we just watched the good bits yeah so so i i went back only fight um, scenes only fight scenes yeah i went back and watched kong skull island the other day and just i just had a great time it was actually friday saturday i had sunday off of that black friday weekend i think i was still here for a few hours anyway but I went home and I just sat on the couch and I just turned on Skull Island and just completely vegged and just had a great time. Just and I'm like Kelly, do you wanna you wanna come watch King Kong Skull Island with me? She's like, uh, no, no. That sounds no, I don't. right. Yep, Skull that Island out. was fun. Skull yeah. Island was good. John yeah. C. Riley really was just making that movie great. John John um, Goodman was in it, correct? Yeah, yep. John Goodman is the leader of Monarch, which, of course, we have a Monarch show on Apple now, which I've heard is pretty good from people who watched it, I've even really if it is it. on the Evil Empire's system. I will tell you the fact that got Kurt Russell and his son to play the exact same character in different time periods is absolutely fantastic in every way, shape, or form, because they just are each other in different parts of their life. It's great. Okay, I'll have to check that out too. And um, you know, and and uh, Grant and Anna both went and saw Godzilla minus one. I think and I think they've each seen it twice at this point since it just came out on Thursday. And so I'm I'm queued up to go see Godzilla minus one. And Kelly was like, "Uh, you can go see that without me." Okay. She uh, she'll watch a lot of stuff with me. She is not King Kong and Godzilla attending with me on those ones. I have heard such good things about it. If you want someone to go with, I'll go with you. Um, because I've heard that it is actually Godzilla as a force of nature. Not as a hero, not as the drop-kicking, fighting alongside his robot friends. Like, it is, he is an unstoppable force. And they somehow finally recapture that in with modern-day look and feel of movies. Yeah. And I, I'm very excited to check that out. Well, we'll have to figure something out. You let me know. Uh, now, here's my question. Have you seen the trailer for... Godzilla vs. Kong, the new one? The the Rise of the Empire, New Empire, something It doesn't like really that. show anything other than the big monkey sitting on the throne. There's more right. than that. And then maybe I have not seen the real trailer. I'm just I saw dun, one that I dun, thought was a real dun. trailer. It turned out to be like a fanfic trailer, which I hate those. Yeah, they, I'm like, this is totally just cut scenes out of the old movies. And someone spent time making that. I've never understood what they get out of it. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this. Uh, Pink Godzilla. Take that as you will. Pink Godzilla? Pink Godzilla. I thought it was about like King Kong's ancestor. You're going to have to watch it. All right. Now I'm a little confused. Yeah. That's right. why I wanted to leave that nugget for those who have not watched it on the podcast, too. They're going to have to check it out now. Hey, I want to one more thing before we go. Always we always fun. say thank you to Jillian Mesner for our theme music. We do. Jillian was here. Um, one of the things we didn't talk about is we just had Once Upon a Holiday on Friday, and Jillian was here with four of her orchestra students that oh. played. They played holiday music all evening long. She had four violinists that were here, and then... One of them had to leave, so then Jill sat in and played with them. So I thought that was nice. That is nice. It was nice to see that she came back and was uh, bringing music to Red Raccoon continually. Yeah. Um, And that has given me enough time to stall that I can look at my outro, which starts with uh, our episode comes to a close. I'd like to thank staff members who joined me today. And if you want your chance to talk to us about your tabletop, then come and find us here at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois. 
Uh, I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music, and feel free to always tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice, by coming to our Discord and talking to us, or by sending us an email at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast in the subject line and Jamie sees it, he might forward it over to me, and I might know what's going on. Uh, I don't know. There's a good chance that there are maybe some more emails there that I just never received, but we'll see. No, because if they go to info at Red Raccoon, Ariel and Jesse see them as well. Okay, so there's backups. Yes. Okay. Nothing Um, with the email has me as the only person responsible for it. That's a good way for it to never get responded to. That's a smart plan. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And until next time, keep playing.